Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to another episode of My Millennial Property. I'm John Pigeon, and I'm joined again by Emily Wallace. Hello, Emily. Hey, how are you going today? I am awesome, thank you. Just quickly, tell me, how is the, um, the road show going? I know you and Glenn have been out and about. You were in Canberra last week. You're heading to Hobart, my hometown, on Friday. Um, uh, yes. How's it been going? It's been awesome. Yeah, we've really enjoyed it. So we've done Brisbane, as you mentioned, Canberra as well. So yeah, they've been great. Um, the the people we've met have been unreal. It's uh, and as we keep saying, it's it's great to see people in the flesh because you and I are looking at each other at the moment through a laptop, and and we're not talking to an audience. Um, and it's a bit of a weird feeling, isn't it? Until mm. you just continually sort of do it and you just go and do it, right? But um, yeah, it's great to be able to see some of the people that you are, are talking to when you're not talking to them. So 100%. yeah, great to get their stories and and travel around with Glenn. Um, so he likes to get there nice and early, a couple of days before, <laughs> couple of days prepare before. himself, <laughs> acclimatise. <laughs> He's I, just I, waiting, uh, waiting in the wings. <laughs> that's right. I try to get in there and... Uh, in plenty of in about two hours, and then <laughs> and then we roll the show out. <laughs> well, uh, um, no, nah, it's been awesome. Hopefully, the Melbourne one. I know it's going to be rescheduled. Will come out. I'm certainly coming along. Obviously, you and I can catch up as well. But certainly yeah. for people who tune into this on the regular, we'd love to see faces there. So keep posted, particularly on the My Millennial Facebook page around the tickets and things like that for the rescheduled yep. date. Yeah, totally. I think we already had over 100 registered for Melbourne, so it's going to be a big one when we can actually do it. Um, So by the time people listen to this, we've already done Hobart, I believe. Yep. And we're probably in Adelaide doing that and on our way to Perth. So yeah, it's cool. It's it's really good. It's a a bigger version than what we did two years ago. So it's it's ever expanding, which is um, exciting. Great to great to see other parts of Australia. Beautiful. Now, today's topic, it's it's a very relevant one for this time of year that we're about to really deep dive into for everybody. And also, we're going to make sure you understand the terms that you need to know around this topic, which is the T word, tax. Mm -hmm. That is tax. And the late Kerry Packer once said, I think, to the Australian government, I don't have any problems paying tax, but until you do something decent with it, I'm not going to pay more than I have to. That's a fair point, Carrie Packer. Yeah. That's a very fair point. <laughs> so yeah, we're not we're not about tax avoidance on this show, and we, we're about saying, well, okay, what can we legally claim, 
based on the fact that we do have investment properties and uh, and, and any type of invest investing generally that uh, has an income producing uh, asset is is generally tax deductible. Most definitely. Now, John, I remember on a previous episode, the episode number escapes me at the moment, but you gave a great analogy around property and treating it as if it is a business. So money coming in, money going out and treating it as an asset, which it's a very obvious statement, but the way you put it, I thought was great. And off the back of that, I think it's really important before we really get into this whole tax thing is for everyone to be across the different terms that come up when we're talking about tax, which has a few related to property. And um, it's a good refresher for those who are across it. It's uh, a great little tax 101 lesson for those who don't. Um, So a few key terms that come to mind for me that we should be across. Number one, very obvious one, would be capital gains tax. Now, are you willing to give a crack at a, a sentence or two of what that actually means. Yes, well, we, without being a qualified a, a accountant, um, so capital gains tax, people generally um, shy away from this, and, and I I embrace it wholeheartedly because I think, well, yes, I don't like paying more tax, just like the late Kerry said, but I, I feel that if I'm paying capital gains tax, I've made a profit which is a whole lot better than making a loss, okay? So capital gains tax, um, generally speaking in property, if you hold something for longer than 12 months, you get a 50% capital gains tax exemption. So if we give um, some round figure numbers, I buy something for 500,000, I hold it for let's say two years, which is longer than your your 12 months, and I sell it for 700,000, I've got a profit of 200k minus all your your costs of buying and selling. Um, So I pay tax on half of that because I've got a 50% exemption. So I only pay tax on $100,000, right? So which is great. I get 100 in my pocket tax-free and the other I pay um, tax on at my taxable income rate. So that might be 32 cents in a dollar, 37, 45, whatever it is at the time in that financial year in which you sell it. Okay, that's the best explanation I can give. If it's your owner occupier home and you follow all the rules correctly there, then that is generally capital gains tax exempt. So you don't pay tax at all when you sell it. Awesome. Now, one thing I just picked up on there, you mentioned um, if you own the property for more than 12 months. Now, if it's less than 12 months, say you've only held it for a six-month period, an investment property, and you've sold out for a very quick gain, how much tax are you up for on that one? Yeah, that's an interesting one because you're up for the whole lot or you're taxed on the 200K profit in that example. So that can be quite hefty, especially if your tax rate is up around the 45 cents in the dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can be taxed pretty heavily there by doing a quick reno and flip type strategy. So when, when people look at that type of strategy, and this is the whole uh, property 101 is is what is your strategy going into it and you need to factor these little things in because yeah if you're making a 200k profit which was would be an awesome outcome in in six months you, you do need to factor in a good chunk of that being lost to, to tax in that example so can we hold it an extra six months to to pass that 12 month period yeah 
Awesome. So um, to round that out, capital gains tax is to do with the gain once you sell your investment property. Um, if you're not selling a property or you haven't sold your property in this financial year, then obviously you're not paying capital gains tax at the moment because you that doesn't qualify. Um, but if you have, something to factor in in your tax conversations. Yep. Now, another term I think everyone needs to be across, or there's two that go hand in hand, um, one is positive gearing and the other one is negative gearing because they also play into the implications on tax. Mm. So maybe if we start yep. with positive gearing. Look, generally speaking, um, negative gearing is a, is a common conversation that accountants have with, um, with clients that are paying too much tax, right? So they say, oh, let's, um, let's um, implore the negative gearing um, model into investment properties, into business, into into whatever it may be, um, to bring our tax rate down. Right now, I'm I'm not on the fence, but my view around this is: well, we don't want to just lose money for the sake of reducing our tax, and that's where people need to be really careful. So, when people ask me, "Is negative gearing for me?" Um, I, you can't answer that in a in a straight yes or no. But generally speaking, um, I would say to a lot of people, and this isn't tax advice by any means, but if you're in the lower tax bracket, uh, I'd question whether you need to negatively gear property. Now, negatively geared property means that basically if you've got an income of rental for 12 months of, say, 20 grand, your running costs are going to be higher than that. So let's say they're 25 grand. Um, So you've basically got a 5K loss and you're claiming that 5K loss against your taxable income, right? So you're claiming some of that back, which in turn reduces your um, tax that you pay, meaning that you may get a refund being an employee, you've already paid tax um, and you get and you get a nice refund. But the question I ask, and I'm, I'm going off on a bit of a whim here, is are we we're getting a tax refund, but is our property still costing us money to hold? So is it giving us um, cash flow or is are we just getting some tax benefits? So yeah, it's a really, we, we could do a whole episode or a whole series on neg- negative geared property on its own, to be honest. Yeah, awesome. So I think the biggest thing out of that is understand the term of what negative gearing is. Obviously, it's when you're running at a loss, your property's running at a loss and you can use that for tax benefits to reduce your taxable income. Um, But the big thing out of what John has just said would be very clear that you need to consult an accountant. If that's a strategy for you, um, you definitely need to consult an accountant to understand how that works for you. Now, um, positive gearing. I actually think I asked you what positive gearing was and <laughs> you told me what negative oh, gearing sorry. was, but it doesn't matter much of a muchness. <laughs> I went to negative first. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. So the opposite to negative gearing would be positive gearing, which would imply that your property is making yourself money. Yeah, correct. So in that same example, your rental income's 20 grand, your running costs of the property are 15 grand, you've made a five grand positive cash flow win for that financial year. Uh, and again, the dance between saying, well, if my property is too heavily positively geared, am I going to indeed pay more tax than what I'm already paying? So this is a tax conversation. It's a tax episode. So that's why I'm referring back to tax always. But uh, understanding that when we set our strategy, we've got to understand what the cash flow of the property is before we buy it so that we we know that it, it fits within what our strategy outcome is going to be. Um, like 
going back to negative gearing for a moment, like the, the most accountants would say, if you want to highly negatively gear something, buy it brand new, which is where the whole buy new comes in with property, buy new comes in with cars for businesses and those sort of things. So when you see tradies rolling around in new utes, um, that's a lot of the reason as to why, other than the fact that they, they might look good, yeah? Most definitely. Um, and you've alluded to my, my next term that I was going to ask about, and we actually did a whole episode on this very topic, and that is depreciation schedules or a depreciation report, which is essential. Yes. That's right, and and we're going to do another uh, episode on something that's called a rent scheme that happens in the ACT, which I found out about last week when I was in Canberra, um, and and uh, this is just briefly around you renting off the government for the land component only, but you purchase the build or you purchase the house, okay? So why that triggered my memory just then was, well, generally speaking, we're getting a depreciation schedule done on the house only um, because the, the, the house generally goes down in value because it gets older, Right, you buy something brand new, you can claim the full depreciation of, uh, of, of the build um, uh, what what it's made of and and its inclusions and everything. So you get a depreciate depreciation schedule done by a, a registered quantity surveyor, and that report will be basically a thirty year report. So generally speaking, most depreciation schedules were run for thirty years. So if you've bought something in nineteen that was built in nineteen fifty, uh, you probably won't have any depreciation benefits in that property unless someone has improved that property since it was built. Now, again, talk to someone that's more qualified than me about this, but if someone has already claimed the depreciation on something, it's now uh, questionable as to whether you can claim it as well. Most definitely. And I think that's a real emphasis on if someone has improved the property. Like a lot of people think that depreciation uh, schedules are only for brand new builds, but that's not the case. It can be an older build that's had a refresh or, a, you know, a brand new aircon installed or things that actually will mm. depreciate as assets in that property. So make sure, sure you're across that. And please refer back because we did a whole episode. If you scroll back, I think it might have been last season actually. Um, we did a, an episode on depreciation. Uh, schedules that you can go and check out as what you can actually claim on depreciation. Yeah, it's an interesting one before we take a break is is the part where essentially depreciation uh, is free money in the sense that the property is going down in value, but the land is going up in value, right? So if that's happening, you're actually getting a win-win, which I quite get, I, I get excited by. Um, but if your land isn't going up in value or you, your property value overall isn't going up in value, um, you, you're just simply claiming the depreciation on its own. Yeah, correct. Now, uh, we are going to take a short break and when we come back, we're going to talk about what you need to collate, what you need to have ready for tax time if you do have an investment property, what you need to be across. And I'm sure this is an episode that will be referred back to, so um, I'm sure most of the, the information will be relevant regardless of the year, but uh, we'll be back after this very short break. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, John, funnily enough, after recording this episode with you, I'm actually going in to a tax strategy meeting with my accountant. So, this is great to be on top of. I love it. <laughs> and I'm sure there's many people who are looking to book in with their accountants to start planning for tax time or, you know, if they're listening a bit later, maybe their tax meeting's coming up to work out what they're liable for. Now, we've spoken in the first half about the terms that we need to be across. So, hopefully everyone's nailed them and got a clear understanding of them. Now we're going to talk about the process of being tax ready with your property and what you actually need to have on hand um, when you're sorting things out with your accountant. Yeah, so June 30 is one of those dates. It's it's like, to me, it's like in the, uh, I suppose, health and fitness um, space, you you have a New Year's resolution, don't you? you right. Do. June thirty is the the tax equivalent of that. We're just going to to take stock, get everything ready, uh, review everything that we've got in our life, and then start the next um, financial year on July one. Is that how you see it? Oh, definitely. I love like I'm genuinely, and I feel like this is really a sign of um, adulting and aging. I'm genuinely excited yes. for a new financial year, and that's um <laughs> that's sad but exciting at the same time. I think. Yeah, new targets. Yeah, mm. yep, new targets. All right. So with June 30 coming up, obviously collating information that you re- require around your investment property or properties is really important. Now, the most obvious one to me, which is what I am have been collating in the background, are the rental statements. So the basically, that's your money that's coming into the property. So the statements that if you have a property manager, they'll actually usually collate like an annual statement for you. Um, they might actually charge you a fee for that. So just be aware. I know I get charged an admin fee to have it all collated and laid yeah. out nicely. But that is the very first thing that you need to collect is what has been your income for the year on the property. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a really important one. And for me, that collating on on my behalf for them to email me on July 1 or, or whenever it may be is the 
why I have a property manager, to be honest. Um, if you haven't got a property manager and you're, you're managing it yourself and collecting the money and, and making sure it all reconciles, then your trustee spreadsheet or, or something needs to be done July 1 to make sure that you've, you've got all your income and expenses in one easy spot that's going to be really straightforward for your, for your accountant to gather. Um, and if you, and this is a bit of a side note, Emily, but mm. I think if you've got investment properties, you must have accountant. You, yeah, you, yeah. you can't be doing your own tax when you've got a complicated investment property that requires much more intel than just a straight POYG tax return. Yeah, you're at a new level and that warrants an accountant. I totally agree with you there on the same page for sure. Um, don't go try doing that yourself. You, the outlay of an, an investment, I should say, actually the investment of having an accountant on board um, truly yes. is that. It's an investment. Yeah. So that's part A is to have record of what's coming in, income into our investment property and then really the most obvious thing from there is to work out what has been our outgoing. So that would include things like your maintenance on the property. Um, you know, if you've had wear and tear, I know I had a leaky tap recently that warranted a, a plumbing bill and things like that. Um, again, if you've got a property manager on board, most likely they have actually got those invoices for you because sometimes it gets paid out of the rent before it's dispersed to you. But if you have been managing it yourself, another thing that you would definitely need to have record of, which I assume, am I right in thinking that sort of outgoings are limited? I'm just thinking my own would be really maintenance. Um, and then you can claim rates, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So... <sighs> Over the journey, I've I've had my property managers do absolutely everything except my insurances. So I want to take control of that so I can negotiate and haggle. They probably won't do that. But in terms of water rates, um, council rates, they're paying all of that on my behalf and, and they're they're giving me the difference. So you're right. They're, they're paying everything. Um, they're organising trades if something needs to happen. Uh, I'm checking off on the the actual expenses and making sure they they've got a couple of quotes and they're not just using their best friend and overcharging. Uh, but yeah, essentially by the end of that financial year, there's a there's a a balance sheet that says this is the income I've got coming in and these are the expenses, council rates, water rates, um, our property management fees, our other fees, our inspection fees, whatever it is that they've got uh, in in there kit bag of fees. Definitely. So that's one part of your outgoings, which is very obvious, directly related to the property that's tangible. Your other set of outgoings would obviously be you're paying repayments, mortgage repayments on this property um, and interest on that loan. Now, I my loans are structured as interest only at the moment, so it's pretty straightforward for me, but please correct me if I'm wrong, that you can only claim the interest portion paid on your repayments when it comes to an investment property as an expense, not the principal that you're paying down as well, if you yeah, are on a Yeah, 100%. Property. You can't have your cake and eat it. It's the interest that's claimable, not the principal. And the good thing about technology is most bank statements, or, well, actually should be all of them, will have an amount at the bottom at the end of the financial year saying total interest um, charged for that financial year. So that's just one amount. Uh, and I keep a separate spreadsheet over and above what the property manager's got or gives me. So I can plug in my uh, bank interest for that property 
um, in that financial year, put in my total expenses from the property manager from their balance sheet versus the income. And then as my as I said before, put the insurance amount in as well. And then we can total that up to get an outcome. Yeah. So totaling all that up for an outcome and also factoring in the depreciation as well through this, because depreciation is calculated on a yearly basis, which factors into taking it off what where you're sitting at. Correct? Yes, yeah. So I, th- I think we need to get an understanding at this point to, for, for listeners that are about to buy an investment property or already have an investment property, that the depreciation side of it will be sorted uh, by the accountant. So as long as you've given them the schedule, they'll have that in their, their run sheet of things to do. And, and all I want to know before I send it to the accountant is with all those expenses taken into account, excluding depreciation and the, the tax rate that I'm on, uh, what is my net result? Is it positive cash flow? Is it, is it negative cash flow? And by how much? And compare that to the year before. Um, there might have been more maintenance in that period. The, the rent might have gone up. The interest rates might have dropped or gone up. So it's, it's important to look at that and compare with, um, with previous years. But yeah, once your depreciation schedule is done, then you'll get an after-tax f- um, cash flow amount. Yeah. And as we uh, highlighted in the first half of the episode, obviously it's either a positive or a negative result, which is reflective as it, of it being positively geared or negatively geared, depending on that um, outcome. If it comes out as you've made money or you have unfortunately lost money um, in that year. And then what happens to that amount of money? Once we know what that is, that, mm. then what goes next? Yeah. So you're then going to complete your tax return. Your, your accountant's going to give you an overall picture of your whole life, not just that one property, but your over, overall situation. So how much tax you've paid during the year, if you're PAYG, um, any uh, super salary sacrificing or your share dividends, everything you've got in your life to then give you a, an outcome that's maybe a, or hopefully a tax refund, um, just depending on your situation. So yeah, that one property that you've just analysed will will. Uh, basically go into the pool of your whole wealth life and 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 spit out a result which will be a tax refund or a tax bill um, hopefully the former mm-hmm. and uh, and then you move on to the next financial year um, but I, I think there's some important things that I like to do at that same time because I've got my head into that mm. um, and I'll, I'll mention them if you want oh please fire away this is this is useful on twofold because um, I'm keen to hear what you also reflect on because I'm looking at things to reflect on and I'm sure there's plenty of people yeah. tuning in thinking the same. Uh, and I and and I must say that I haven't been doing that for the last twenty years of my investing either. I was pretty rugged early days. It was it was the shoebox, take it to the accountant, you sort it out. So it took a while for me to get my head around all this. But any case, here I am today. So one one thing I would do is. Uh, does my rent need increasing? When does my tenant expiry um, come up? And then review that and, and talk to the agent about vacancy rates and, and what the next, um, I suppose, expiry uh, will do in terms of do we put the rents up, etc. The second thing I'll do is, is get a sales appraisal. And I want to do that every 12 months to see what my property's done. And, and I might even go and get a second or third sales appraisal. Uh, at that time, because as I said, my head's in the game there. 
uh, I would actually review or, or um, do a health check on my property manger. Mm, that's a good one. So, I like that. Yeah, and, and generally speaking, I'd like to think that we've chosen them well to begin with, but things change, um, staff come and go, lots of things. There's a lot of variables. So is the property manager still doing what they need to do for me? And I know it's a pain in the butt to go and change property managers, but it, it, we can do it coinciding with the tenant expiring or, or moving out mm. or renewing a lease. So yeah, that that's a good chance to perf- um, rate your property manager as well. Um, and then you might also look at your insurances um, or make a note to review the insurances when it comes closer to uh, renewing those insurances because for most policies, they'll give you a, a notice a month out to say, yeah, it's about to renew. And if you don't do anything, it just simply renews and you cop the extra $200 increase um, for that next financial year. Which is very easy to just let it roll on in, isn't it? Particularly if you just subscribe to, yep, Ongoing yeah. auto renewal, no problem. And then you see it come out and you're like, oh, yes, I did not get a chance to review that. Yeah. Now, granted, I think there is actually a cooling off of some sort for most policies once it auto renews. So that would be a good time to kick yourself into gear and and haggle um, for a better rate or a better policy um, elsewhere potentially. But you're so right in considering all these things, all these additional sort of health check items on your investment property when you're in the zone of really focusing on it around tax time, because obviously it affects the overall performance of your property. For example, having a great property manager and in turn also helps you have a great outcome with your wealth strategy, you know, overarching strategy, because it is one form of income that comes through amongst many for a lot of people um, and making sure that performs well and isn't lagging the team down um, is really, really important. Yeah, totally. And it's just um, like our head's in another space for the next 12 months. I don't want to have to be dealing with it. It's a set and forget strategy mm-hmm. um, property investing or in most cases it is. So if I just take this one week period or whatever it may be out of the out of my year to analyse all these things, then I know that I'm on top of it. And as you mentioned, uh, you've got less things that are likely to go wrong if you've done a health check in in all areas of of the of the property. Definitely. Now, just a closing thought. This comes off the back of um, a call I had with a real estate agent yesterday, actually, who explained to me a property had to be sold with a, a contract of sale dated before June 30th this year because of this particular vendor's financial situation and they wanted to sell out with this obvious gain in mind. They're going to encounter capital gains tax. It was an investment property. Um, one thing to, to flag is considering the timing of your sale um, when you have multiple properties because some people do um, and working out again referring back to your accountant around what that might look like for you but certainly working out where that falls in the financial year and if you may need to hold if you were considering selling out on two properties it may be a good idea not advice but maybe a good idea to sell one in one financial year and take that um capital gain into consideration and sell the next the following year if you do need to sell in quick succession. Mm, yeah, no, that's a very good point. Um, and and I, I once had a client who had properties in all 
areas of Australia. So for, for land tax, that was a great outcome because um, there was diversification into other states. But his theory was, well, okay, I'm going to uh, retire and then I'm going to live in each one um, and then sell it off when I leave because that's my principal price of residence now. <laughs> His theory was okay, but I don't think uh, the execution would have been entirely accurate. But yes, <laughs> it's um, close, it's close. thinking close, yeah, thinking strategically around what you can do um, to to minimise minimise our tax um, effectively, but just not selling for the sake of of selling because there's been short term issues that you just get frustrated with. Yeah, long-term game, as we always say. It's a common theme across most of our conversations. Yeah. So, mm. anything that we have or I have missed asking you, <laughs> I feel like you're more you're yeah. wise when it comes to the tax time. I'm only a couple of years around with mine and it's, you know, having accountants involved quite heavily this year is really helpful. Must say that's yeah. a blessing. But um, is there anything we have forgotten to cover off on for our listeners? Yeah, look, it, it's just, it's a, such a big beast. And if we're not wide with numbers and we're not normally a numbers person, it can absolutely do our head in and we put it to the bottom of the pile and it'll get done hopefully at one stage or our accountant does it, but we really don't know what we're doing and they haven't got an interest in our property. So they just give us a report we don't understand. So we, we actually designed a, a, a property analyzer calculator um, well, someone smarter than me did for my for my business, but <laughs> um, we, where before you buy the property or if you've already got a portfolio, you can actually plug in the numbers and and see exactly what it's doing before tax and after tax. Now, call it ninety nine percent accurate, ninety eight percent accurate before your accountant ticks it off. It's a really good starting point to understand that you've got all the numbers um, put into your. Um, data or, or your your spreadsheet, and and then you're not missing anything um, come time uh, to, to chat with your accountant. So, yeah, if you if you're overwhelmed with the numbers, um, that something like that's on our website. I was going to say, can people access that even if they're not a client of yours? Is that accessible to anybody? Yeah, yeah, it's open to the public, um, and some of them may have seen it on our on the M3 Facebook, but it's it is in excel format but in about a month's time it's going to a web-based app so mac users can use it anyone can basically use it so that's super exciting watch watch this space awesome and so that's accessible Mm. on the um on your website or on the my millennial website uh solvey wealth website yeah um but um you can put up to five properties in it which is cool um and it gives you a summary report and overview report so yeah i quite like it but as i said someone smarter than me did that credit for it come on it's got your branding on it it's yours (laughs) (laughs) yeah so but yeah look um it's a it is a can be a stressful time but it doesn't need to be if you've if you've got the right people around you and and you're taking a short period of time out of your life for that time of year to to really understand the numbers and and as we said before get excited by it by looking at our numbers and reviewing our our wealth most definitely well i hope you feel equipped and ready to go into tax time I know that where the tax can give a few people a bit of stress and anxiety, but it doesn't need to be stressful. 
Um, you just need to know what you need to be across. And as we've both suggested, having an accountant on board when you have an investment property would be very key in making this as smooth sailing as it possibly can be. So I hope that today's episode has been beneficial and you've taken away some key items, some key action items coming into tax time. And um, for those of you who are listening back, a f- you know, a few months, a few years on, um, hopefully this content's been evergreen for you to understand what you need to be across. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, thanks everyone for your continued support. Most definitely. We love we love our listeners and we love people who um, write in and tell us what they'd love to hear about. If you have found this episode beneficial, we would be forever grateful for a review. Feel free to not to jot down your thoughts um, so that other people have some context on what we cover and why you might like it. Yep, give it a five. Yeah, give it a five. I mean, if you're going to do a review, give it a five. Come on. <laughs> they're, they're either a five or a one, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, there's not much in between. You wouldn't bother going in and give it a three. No, sort of a halfway. Um, but anyway, no, give an honest review. We would love that. And let us know what you want to hear about. We look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Catch you then. All right. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.